welcome to the next episode of DDR, a podcast all about your favorite drow, Drizzt Dowerden. My name is Justin, and in this episode, we'll be diving deep into chapter 23 of Homeland, titled A Single Clean Blow, discussing all of our favorite plot points, characters, and more. And my name is Jeffrey. You know, we're pretty big fans of the D&D tabletop role-playing game, so we're going to take parts of this chapter and see how, you know, they might relate to the game. It's a neat way of looking at the lore in the book and the mechanics of the game. Following along with the show is easy. Just grab a copy of the book, read the next chapter, and tune in every week. But remember, we want to hear your thoughts too, so you can share those with us uh, via email at drizzeddunright at gmail.com. Or... Or, when you're done with this episode, go ahead back and look at the description for it, and you know what you're going to find? This, this little link for the Discord. This is our Dim Light Squad, and it's where we take the conversation beyond the page. We can sit here and talk into the microphone for mm, what seems like forever, but honestly, you all are the engine that drives this show. So click that link. Join the Dim Light Squad. Check out the creature feature, the spoiler room. It's marked for people who want to discuss parts of the story that take place in other books, Kind of like, you know, our mer- our virtual Menzo Berenson. And we look forward to seeing you there. I like I like that, Jeffrey. Right? Every our once in a while. Menzo Berenson. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> nuggets cool. just fall out when you don't expect them to. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So how, you be- how have you been? I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good. You know, I've just been sitting around nice. consuming a bunch of media. I had my buddy come on down uh, from the other podcast, the Robert and Robbins Radio uh, Robert Great came podcast. down and uh, he uh, <laughs> paid me a little visit and we did a little D&D session. I ran my first DM campaign. Nice. It's, nice. Uh, it's 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 interesting seeing your side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, right? It's it a is. Lot. <laughs> it is. And, you know, but it's 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 also fun. It really kind of gives you it an is. idea why you uh, people will, I guess, clip parts of it like i think i was telling you before we uh, i started out with like two little kobolds you know that my party had fallen right. asleep after session zero and i thought it was going to be like uh you know do a little little intro like uh the old game golden axe you know you, okay. when, you, when you reach an end of an act you would fall asleep and then these little little elves would run in and they'd steal your stuff and you'd have to go kick them and get your potions back right ah uh, that's a cool idea yeah so i was like god oh, these two little kobolds not even like you know like uh, you know winged <laughs> kobolds or not they're just in there and the be- person with the, the most passive perception wakes up and sees them rummaging through the bag first. And then, right. you know, it got really chaotic as everybody tried to attack and they hadn't played with their powers yet. And, well, my buddy Robert, he uh, fired an ice knife into a crowd. And fun, fun fact for our, our listeners who don't know the spells and the mechanics of the 5e, an ice knife will hit an individual target. Even if it okay. doesn't hit the individual target, it will then explode. For a five-foot area damage. Yep, which means that if your friends are fighting a single monster and you throw an ice knife in the middle, duck. Hitting your friend, too. Yep, people are (laughs) targets of opportunity. So then quickly this this easy encounter just spirals out of control. And, you know, it really Ah. made me reassess the the rest of the the first part of that quest because they had to go through three encounters. So, like, I hadn't even built that as part of the encounter. I just thought that this would be a fun way to get them up and enticed into a battle because they've got to enter a town. So, you know, they wake up. They've got these things rummaging through their stuff. Then they hear, you know, stuff in the distance. They're they're encouraged to go to the town. Right. Okay. Okay. It was was an adventure, (laughs) buddy. It was an adventure. In all the best ways because it's really fun to be able to throw curveballs at people, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. 
at one point sounds... i think we had a fun part where you know he uh one of our uh, our members robert a matter of fact again uh, used his persuasion and charm to uh, talk to these people who should be guarding the riverbank looking for his party essentially so they sneak up and he whispers into the guy's ear by sending messages He's like you guys are hungry you need to go eat and i was like yeah yeah i'll allow it they turn around and go you know what they never saw nice. you it's it's like your conscience is speaking it's a fun way to avoid that encounter by all means go ahead guys that is cool no totally i mean and and yeah so you're getting a little bit of a taste of what it's like when your players bring these like totally off the wall like solutions to these problems yep uh yeah yeah it's it's a lot of fun it makes dming i mean not dming is hard it's a lot of prep and everything but it makes it totally worth it when you're when your players come in and they're just invested and they come up with these creative solutions it's so much fun i agree i've been listening to a bunch of podcasts about like intro dming and one of the things they said was you know what do voices have fun bring energy because that'll encourage your oh totally party members your adventurers to feel more comfortable doing the same you know like exactly and i was like exactly. okay so it's like i i really kind of enjoy that because you know you being my dm know that i love improvising i love uh-huh. bending the rules i love finding uh-huh. the ways i can skirt so when people present that to me as a dm i'm like yeah roll it let's see what happens you know <laughs> yeah let's go with it yeah. <laughs> that's awesome that so it's is been so pretty cool. fun I, I gotta limit how much i want to hurt people on a roll one you know so, like, I right. try to cut down damage and stuff, but I still want them to have parts where they're, like, you know, encouraged to try different things. So, it's like, you yeah. know, I, I, I will exactly. use that to herd them. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and it's, it's a learning curve, right? So, I mean, my first time DMing, I think it was a TPK. Uh, the second time, or at least our, our first major campaign... Hey, I told uh, my buddy about that. I just drove at the dragon, like that rain of fire thing with Matthew McConaughey, and then it worked out just like that because the dragon <laughs> ate me. <laughs> well well not not even that but like the campaign before when ryan ended up cutting off his toe with a nat one so, <laughs> it's just like okay maybe that was a little brutal because then i took away five feet of his movement you know like and he was already a dwarf so he was down to 20 movement like but it guy. did lead to dad coming in with a golden toe that he had made to mock the fact that he had lost a toe and that kind of role playing you know what that's a bonus inspiration way to go i love it yeah so how have you been what you been up to lately oh man jeffrey my life has been consumed with tears of the kingdom oh i'm sorry did the kingdom fall like me why why (laughs) oh you mean the zelda game (laughs) the new zelda game no i uh i it took me six years jeffrey but i did end up beating all the zelda games beautiful and so now this new one comes out and i'm like okay i have to beat this one now to keep to keep that up i can't say that i beat all the zelda games anymore until i beat this one so <laughs> I put maybe 15 to 20 hours into this game since it came out. Today is currently May 27th. So it's been out for what? A little over two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it came out uh, the 12th, I think. So um, So I haven't been playing it a lot, but pretty much all my free time, I'm thinking about this game at least. If not playing it, I'm thinking about it. Now the graphics and... look beautiful, but it's almost to me, I wanted, I wanted to ask you how it is because... It almost looks a little overwhelmingly good in graphics. Because me as an amateur Nintendo player, I'm used to the overtop screen Zelda 1 played that a billion times. Oh, well, of course. Never really played much else. If you're comparing it to the old Zelda games, yeah, I mean, these graphics are are very good. I would would almost argue that, that, uh, what was it, Twilight Princess was a little better. See, but, I, don't, I don't even remember that one. I remember, uh, what was it, the Ma- Ocarina of Time that had some Ocar- fun well, graphics. Of course, yeah. 
And yeah. that was that was to um, me a little bit more of how this gameplay looks, where you're doing more. Well, of course, the quests yeah. are expansive. Yeah, they they almost take a slightly like cell shaded route in this one, so it's almost like a little cartoony, but not nearly as much as Wind Waker was on the GameCube. Okay, uh, but I mean, if you're considering the other types of video games that are coming out right now, these graphics are really garbage. Like really. They're not great. It's on the Switch. The Switch, the hardware on the Switch is not great. It's very dated at this point. They should have waited for this Zelda game to come out on the Switch 2. If that's ever coming out, I have no idea. But, um, yeah, the hardware is not great. But, I mean, it's it's still, for what it is, the graphics are very pleasant, very beautiful. Um, you know, you, you look at a mountain... You can climb it. It's not like there's some magical barrier in the way that prevents you from getting there. Oh, cool. Like, okay. It's, so it's, it's a little bit like Skyrim in the fact that if you could see it, you could touch oh, it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then it's, um, I guess you, you've never played Breath of the Wild, but it's... Uh, yeah, like maybe about, like for the people who are listening and not watching on our YouTube channel, I am holding my <laughs> fingers about an inch apart. Maybe about this much. Maybe about this yeah. much. <laughs> the... Uh, the gameplay is very similar, but then there are just these new powers that you get that just change the dynamic of the game entirely. Uh, so it, it's, it's, oh man, it's like Breath of the Wild, but like times two. Nice. Like, and, you know, like you know, it, it's, it's a selfish even... promotion on Nintendo's point. Like, I, I feel like one of the beautiful things about Nintendo as a concept is the graphics are always meant to be cartoonish, meant to be more amenable yeah, right. to people. But to me, that makes the gameplay even more entertaining at times because they focus more on the mechanics, the story, the backside, exactly. yep. and you get a bit more of a well-polished gameplay in my mind because I've played a lot of different games that really just, like I think, lean on the graphics more than anything else. It's like, yeah, it looks exactly. cool, but yep. like I want to I be engrossed. I want to be sucked right. into this world, you know? Yeah, and and that, that really does that. This game does that for me, nice. at least... Uh... At least for me, it does. Um, it's, it, it, yeah, like I said, it's huge, and there's just so many little things you can do. It's like, yes, there's this main quest. You can go do that, but hey, I mean, this guy's trying to hold up a sign. Why don't you try to put to get, rig together some kind of little thing to hold up that sign? And, like, it's little stuff like that. It's silly. It sounds silly, but it's like, it might take, like, a couple minutes, and it's just like, you feel so accomplished when you do it, and it's like, yes, I did a thing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just so cool. I could go on forever, but <laughs> about that, but, uh, this podcast is not about Zelda or video games, but rather this is a podcast about Drizzed. And so let's, let's go ahead and get started with this podcast. We'll jump into. Well then hit him with the, the backhand and keep him the Drizzed. The Drizzed, it's the part of the show where we take. A look at this week's chapter, and we give you the drizzed of it. So, before we get into this week, uh, let's talk a little bit about last week. So we ended last chapter with a decent cliffhanger. The drow patrols attacked a gnoming, uh, gnome mining, a gnoming party, if you will, <laughs> that got just a little too close to the edge of uh, Menzo Berenzon, which led to drizzed nearly single-handedly fighting a rock elemental, 
with the help of Gwen eventually, uh, while most of the other drow chased after the fleeing gnomes. Fun fact, when you look at the vocabulary and how to say things into the, the radio, when you tried to say that, what I hear is, people at home, try this with me, gnome mining. Now, now, say it quick. <laughs> no mining. No mining party. So, no, yeah, I appreciate the fact oh, that you went away around it because it sounds like if you say it quickly that there was no mining going on at all. <laughs> well, by the end of it, there was definitely no mining going on. <laughs> <laughs> the chapter ended with massage uh, half melded into, into the rock floor and Drizzt getting knocked out cold by the rock-hard fist of Belwar Disengulp. One for the champ. Well, I guess they're both champs. Never mind. Let it go. <laughs> they're both doing so, great. I mean, Quite the cliffhanger there. So, knowing all that, let's jump into this chapter. This chapter starts with Massage explaining to Deenan and the High Priestess that uh, Drizzt was taken by the gnomes. Drizzt is nowhere to be found at the beginning of this chapter. The High Priestess releases Massage from the spell. Uh, this, um, uh, I guess it wasn't really a spell. It was more like he was just stuck in the rock and this rock portal was closing up like underneath him, right? Uh, yeah, because the, they, they, what is it? They, they they explain that the earth elemental travels between planes by falling in it. Right. So he was essentially yeah. like falling into Trapped. the plane that the earth yeah, elemental like, goes to and then caught because the earth elemental was gone. Yep. Just kind of like trapped between planes. Like, whoa. But the high priestess uh, released. <laughs> Do you think his him. like little feet were dangling from the other plane for a while? It's like running. <laughs> what would that look like in the rock <laughs> plane? <laughs> they look up like, oh, there's another set of feet. Uh, so the high priestess releases him from that by basically turning the rock into mud with some kind of spell Uh, this seemed to be a very common solution that the drow had uh, to the gnomes rock-based magic Um, but you know yeah it just seemed like something that was common she was like she said something about like well you know like here we go like i luckily i prepared this this is something that i don't know now, that was what I found interesting I was going to bring up. What she says is, I, you, were, you were lucky I prepared this spell. But then she goes on to say she prepared it knowing or in, in anticipation of an earth elemental. And what really yeah. tickled my mind was, sure, sure, spell pulled the guy out of the ground, right? But is she trying to use this magic against the rock itself as an earth elemental is made of rock? And if so, would that spell have turned this giant sturdy stone slab individual into muck how would that affect the magic that holds together the the earth elemental it's right. kind of cool yeah i mean depending on how that spell works i mean could like, you turn i don't that have rock their elemental? spell but like we'll look at that spell a little bit better but but oh, I, that's, okay. that's okay. what makes me wonder like i don't know how that would have worked if you were like are they coming in like knowing that they're going to make they might face earth elementals and instead of using it in this manner would have casted it directly at the earth elemental the ro- the rock elemental is now a mud elemental. Right. Would that have stopped it or would it have looked like Clayface from the Batman animated right. series? You know, like, where are we going <laughs> yeah. with it? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> like, would it have increased the rock element or the earth elemental speed because it could slide? <laughs> uh, so, Massage gets out of his uh, rocky tomb and then Deenan demands that Massage bring out Guenevar to hunt down the gnomes that kidnapped Drizzt because there's no sign of them at this point. Yep. Massage, I mean, and, and like thinking about it, the last time Massage saw Gwen was when Gwen got like destroyed by this rock elemental. 
And so it's like he he's just kind of like, no, I can't do that. And Dina's like, yes, you can. You'll you're gonna do it right now, or like you're dead, basically. And we'll um, put you right back in the mud. Right, exactly. And so Massage is just like not knowing if Gwen is even alive, tosses the figurine to the ground, and Gwenavar's okay. Nice. Which is like seems like a pretty overpowered item. It does. Basically, but <laughs> like, it, it also, to me, strikes out like, how dumb is massage? Just because this is your yeah. most valued possession and you don't understand how it works. You are, in fact, a, a sorcerer, a wizard. Like you, right. you deal with magic. So why do you not know if the panther's okay? Why have you waited this well, long to find out if damage on this plane affects the panther in the other plane? Like, But at, you know at I mean? the same time, I, I do kind of get it, though, because like... This is a really cool thing, and the last thing you would want to do is accidentally kill Gwen, and then all of a sudden, you don't have it anymore. You know, right. like, like there uh, goes your so ice cream I, cone right on the ground. Right it. now, <laughs> it's Menzo Berenson. You're not getting ice cream again. Where are they going to get the cows to milk? It's a special treat. <clears throat> so, Massage instructs Gwen to go find Driz, and she bounds off. Meanwhile. Drizzt was just coming out, uh, coming around from his encounter with Belwar's fist. You know, remember, he was <laughs> knocked like out cold, right? Yep. Uh, Drizzt awoke to a group of gnomes that were conversing in a language that Drizzt had never heard before. Uh, eventually, Belwar turns around to Drizzt and informs him that he will be taken to Blingdenstone, the gnome. I, I, was it a capital or at least a gnome city? Yeah, it's a major gnome um, city. I know that. I'm not yeah. sure if it's the capital kingdom, but I, I would imagine something. Right. No, it probably yeah. says it, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, from there, Belwar planned to tell the king to let Drizzt go as long as Drizzt behaved for them. Uh, Drizzt, of course, was unconvinced that he was going to be released. Uh, released, And so he just, like, to that, he just laughed. <laughs> he just laughed. Like, when, he's like, yeah, these evil gnomes are going to just, like, take me to their city and then just release me right like what yeah. are you doing judge trying to keep me quiet you think i'm gonna buy this yeah sure sure right yeah and belwars uh eventually said well if the king uh oh oh i have this in quotes which means i need to do my gnome voice sorry hit it uh, <laughs> so belwar said well if the king says to kill you i'll make sure it comes in a single clean blow that was a really i don't know i, I like it. it see folks this, this is okay. what we get as as having a dm <laughs> we get voices we get voices <laughs> If your voice isn't, uh, if, sorry, if your DM isn't doing the voices, what is he even doing? <laughs> uh, uh, this not o- voices. <laughs> uh, to this uh, statement, um, uh, of course, like, this is the title of the chapter, right? The single clean blow. Uh, Driz then says, torture me now and have your fun. That is your evil way. Belhoir was quick to retort that the gnomes do not torture the drow elves torture. He was like insulted when he said it too, because he's like, "Perfectly, gnomes don't torture. Drow torture." Right. And it's like, yeah, which uh, wow, okay, yeah, and this whole time Driz was brought up like the gnomes are evil. I mean, everything's evil other mm-hmm. than the drow, right? All so of it's it. like, yep, right. And so at this point, it's like Driz is like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, it's almost like uh, uh, what, when Charlie Brown goes to kick the football and Lucy. Pulls it away, right? He's been taught time and time again, everyone around them is evil. And the fact is, the yep. only reason the drow themselves are evil is because they've had to be so evil to fight all the other evil just to survive. 
And then he meets right. the surface elves, and they're melodic. They're beautiful. The surface looks yeah. great. Wait, wait, these are nice people? All right, well, yeah. well you know what? Whatever. Let's go Let's go get these gnomes. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The gnomes don't torture? The gnome... What? <laughs> Every time he thinks he's going to be able to put his finger on something and hold to that, like, drow code, yep. he's like, wait, wait, wait. That's not, that's not right? That's just another yeah. example. Yep. Uh, Driz believes him quickly. Uh, or Driz... Drizzt believes him and quickly started becoming interested in these creatures that he had never had a chance to interact with before. Uh, I guess, like, they they didn't have... Um, he never met a gnome before. Sverd uh, uh, Neblin? Sorry, I didn't actually, like, write it down. <laughs> I believe it's Sverd Nebly. Something like that? Maybe when they're um, in more than one? Sverd so, Neblin so, as, as an individual? <laughs> so... They don't have those gnomes as slaves in Menzo Berenzum because they don't make good slaves. Uh, I remember reading that at some point. I forget if I actually typed that in or not. So uh, later is, in the chapter, they hit that because they're like, okay. well, we could take them back. And he's like, they don't make good slaves. Yeah. And so this is his first interaction with one before. And he's just like, oh, like, he, I mean, he's buying into it real quickly. Just like, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm alive, basically. Like, I should have been dead. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're not torturing me. You're letting me live. Yeah. So he believes them pretty quickly um, and just gets interested in these creatures. Just like, who who actually are you? Uh, Driz learns that there was uh, once a drow in Blingdenstone, not a slave because, oh, yeah, there I go. <laughs> they don't have slaves. Uh, oh, no, no, that was the other way. Uh, so these... Uh, Sverf Neblin don't have slaves at all. Uh, but instead, this drow in Blingdenstone was a guest. And this drow went on to teach the gnomes how to speak the language of the drow, which is why Belwar was able to speak to, um, to Drizzt. He was able to speak to Drizzt. Now, um, fun fact about Blingdenstone with the fact that there was a drow guest blingdenstone itself used to be a drow settlement back in the day it was liberated from the drow by this first neblin it was uh the pudding king what? yeah the pudding king and uh jublix jublex were driven out and then ogre mox bane was cleansed of corruption yeah i had to look into it a little bit because i was like you know like i know in the future books this gets touched on you know as far as drow okay. in the city a little bit more because not not giving that away but want to look at the past and evidently before the gnomes went to live there it was uh -huh. a drow settlement cavern whatever you want to call it uh they lived there the the gnomes took it from them so that also might have something to do with the hatred that the drow have towards the the deep gnomes oh man there's so much there <laughs> that's so cool no i had no idea <laughs> Uh, so before Driz could learn too much about the gnomes, there came a commotion from behind. The drow patrol caught up. Before the gnomes could prepare, Belwar and another gnome were paralyzed by the high priestess. The other gnomes slaughtered. I mean, I guess some of them did get away. Driz was completely horrified as he watched these gnomes fall. It had to be really kind of like the, it was a neat way to explain that free spell too, because it's just, it paused right in the middle of his writing. Like when he was writing, yeah. he's like, and then they just stopped too still. I was like, what? What's going on? Oh, and you right. automatically knew something was wrong before they even yep. told you the drow patrol had caught up. It was cool. I liked that. Yeah. <laughs> even as captors, the gnomes seemed more reasonable 
than uh, than Drizzt's immediate family, or were at least uh, very intriguing to him, right? So, um, yeah, like, as captors, he was very intrigued by them. They weren't, like, immediately whipping him and all this stuff. Um, and But then the drow come in, and the high priestess gave orders to kill the last two gnomes, the gnomes that were frozen in place. Yeah, right away, so uh, didn't even hesitate. Oh, yeah. No hesitation. Just like, they're frozen, they're helpless, eh, kill them. Right, with a little smile, like, <laughs> right. kill them. And Driz, trying to prevent their, de- their death, yells, prisoners! But his plea falls on deaf ears, meaning, like, uh, one, of the, one of the gnomes gets stabbed. Like, and is still frozen when he gets stabbed, so he can't even react to it. He's just, like, gets stabbed and dies. And it's... Um, the, the, they, they they talk about the spell. They the gnomes are are, are they feel everything. They're conscious. Right. They're cognizant. They're just frozen yeah. in place. She says, they I can't... believe that even now he is struggling to break free of the spell. Like, yeah. oh, that's terrifying. It's wild, wild. Uh, so Belwar was the last gnome standing, um, and Drizzt had to think quickly. We should send them back to his people. Send them back. Uh, send him back to tell of their folly in entering the domain of the drow. The high priestess bought it. But then she ordered that Belwar's hands be cut off because, you know, drow are just ruthless. Yeah. I mean, what's I mean, the like, worst thing you could do to an individual whose passion in life is spent mining gems from rock? Take their hands. Rem- yeah. Wild. Absolutely wild. And, well, I'll be getting into that more. Uh, so Deenan ordered, uh, orders that Belwar be released from the spell before he is relieved of his hands. Uh, he wants to... Of his hands. <laughs> yeah, such... Those hands are such a burden. <laughs> uh, so he wants to hear his screams, basically, is yeah. the reason why he wants him released. Uh, but Belwar does not give him the pleasure of screaming. Which Boss I move. Can you... Could you imagine doing that? Just like the blades cut through his wrists and he's just like, no, like how, how did it, how did it, how was it explained? It was like, uh, um, just the nerve endings are just like on fire and he's just like, nope. It's like his, his hatred towards the drow and the position he's in is so pure. That he just uses that to override any pain that comes in. Like, even if this will be his death, he will not give them the the last laugh. He will not give them the pleasure. Like, yep. Like, (laughs) I've been um, driving to work. uh, It's about like 50 minutes. And I've been having some knee pain. And after sitting in the car for about 50 minutes, my knee is, it hurts so bad. And just like, I I grimace just standing up out of the car is just like, ugh, and I'm like, man, if someone cut my leg yeah. off. I was going to say, bro, I stub know, a like... toe and I go down like a heap yelling out oaths and curses. Like, oh, just sounding horrible. Can't get, you know, here's But if Belwar. someone cut your toe off, like, oh man, like that would be so much worse. And to not be like, to try to hold back any kind of tears or yelling, like crazy. Yeah, crazy. I just imagine him with this stone face when it happens, just looking straight at him. Like... <laughs> uh, so... That happens, he loses his hands, he doesn't yell, and about that time, the rest of the drow patrol 
return. Well, I guess Belwar was allowed to leave at that point. There, yep. It wasn't highlighted too much, but he was allowed to leave. And the rest of the Drow Patrol return and inform Deenan that the gnomes got away. I mean, they, they escaped through tiny passages, uh, too small for the Drow to fit through. Uh, and yeah, what I found interesting away. there was he said that he was fine with with Belwar leaving. He's like, but having deep gnomes that that are full health leaving, just oh, not acceptable. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's like they weren't hurt, they weren't stabbed, they weren't you know they're they're fully healthy. They're gonna have you know little gnome kins and, and that can and come back and dig again. That's unacceptable. Yep, that is interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean at that point it's just like well kill Belwar and let the others run off. Like they'll they'll send a message. Even if they still have their hands, but yeah. <clears throat> uh, so Massage sent Gwen after them, after those gnomes that escaped. After a few minutes, Gwen returned with a dead gnome. Seeing his cat friend engaged in such tactics, Driz's blood pressure started to rise. He didn't like the way that Massage was using her. Uh, he, and he could also see in her eyes that she was also saddened by this situation as she apologized to Driz with her saucer eyes. Just like he could tell that she wasn't enjoying this, but she had to follow orders. Massage was the one that was holding the the statue, you yep. know, the the little figurine. And so whatever he said, she had to do. But Driz could tell she wasn't on board with it either. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. It's a heck of a way to end that chapter, too. I mean, it just kind of leaves you there really with like your heart on the floor a little bit, you know, like right in the emotions. Yep. yep. Totally. Awesome. So that's my summary. That's my The Drizzed. Let's talk about our favorite parts in the Dim Light Reel. The Dim Light Reel is where we cast darkness on our favorite parts of the chapter and Dim Light. All our favorite characters, events, descriptions, and more. For me, my Dim Light Reel, I wanted to look right at the end of the chapter where we just left off and how Massage chose to use Guinevar. Or in my own terms, to misuse Guinevar. Yeah. Deenan has just realized that there was way too many, again, for the people listening, you're not going to see the air quotes I do here, but <laughs> way too many healthy members of the Gnome Expedition that had escaped and they, it didn't really sit well with him. He turned to his raiding party and said, I want them caught. Which... Massage quickly replied, Gwenevar can catch him. <laughs> While eyeing Drizzt the whole time. Oh, no. Right? He's just like smug little just like he, Well, he, he knows exactly how he can get at Drizzt. He's yeah. just like, this I can do. <laughs> and yeah. Oh, man. And Drizzt's heart raced as he watched Massage pet the great cat. Getting ready to send it on its way says, come, my pet, Massage said. There is hunting left to be done. And I find it interesting that Salvatore writes, the wizard watched Drizzt squirm at the words, knowing that Drizzt did not approve of Guinevar engaging in such tactics. Like Massage had just been rescued by Drizzt killing the Earth Elemental. He had to use his panther in order to track down and save Drizzt. And now that he lays eyes on him again, the first thing he wants to do is make him as uncomfortable as possible. He volunteers yeah. to send the cat without anyone even suggesting it. And like every other time we see this, it's Deenan who's like basically pressing him. You will use the cat. Yep. This time he's yep. like, hey, hey, I got a cat. We can, we can use my cat. The cat, <laughs> cat gets him, right? 
<laughs> oh man <clears throat> and it he's you know it, it just kind of like turns the screws a little harder into drist's feelings mm-hmm. you know, drist quickly tries to reason and asks if they're gone his voice is on the edge of desperation and Deenan calmly replies running all the way to blingdonstone if we let them and it's clear that the deep gnomes will not return anytime soon the damage that they took is far too high of a cost so drist here he is trying to reason that their job is done He's doing everything he can to try to find a way out of Massage's designs for Guinevar. We have won the day, Deenan agreed. Though our losses have been great, we may still find more fun with the help of the wizard's pet. And Massage looks pointedly at Driz as he echoes the statement. Fun. Be gone, Guinevar. Into the tunnels. Let us learn how fast a frightened gnome may run. Ugh. Yeah, I was just like, oh, you, you just, Massage... Massage deserves to be turned into the faceless one over and over and over again. Not to become the <laughs> faceless one, just to have the process done. He's, just to lose his face. Yes. Over and over yes. and over. I love it. Take his face, heal that man, take it again. A few minutes later, Guenevar came back into the chamber, dragging a dead gnome in its mouth. Return, Massage commanded as the body of the gnome fell at his feet. Bring me more. Drizzt's heart dropped at the sound of the corpse flopping to the stone floor. That is such a disheartening line. The corpse flopping to the stone floor. You can hear it. In in my head, yes. yeah. It's it's such a great way to describe the events. Like Salvatore already paints a picture where Drizzt's heart is heavy at the thought of Guinevar being used as an assassin, just a mindless killing machine to track down the gnomes mm-hmm. who, it turns out, aren't as evil as he thought they were. But the mm-hmm. term flopping just gives it more of like a pitiable feeling to this act, this whole charade in yeah. front of it. And, and you can hear Drizzt's heart flopping yeah just at the, just sound, to the like... stone floor you know, drizzt looked into guinevar's eyes and he saw a sadness as profound as his own you know that panther was a hunter as honorable in its own way as, as was drizzt to the evil massage though guinevar's a mere toy and nothing more mm-hmm. it's an instrument for his perverted pleasures killing for no reason other than its master's joy of killing in the hands of the wizard guinevar was no more than a murderer Guinevar paused at the entrance to the small tunnel and looked to Drizzt almost apologetically. There have been several times that Drizzt has looked into the eyes of Guinevar and seen emotions that he can relate to. A kindred spirit inside of this large cat. This time, we see that Guinevar doesn't like being used in this manner any more than Drizzt likes seeing her be used. Or, I mean, is this an echo of his own emotions? Is this... Is this an example of Drizzt projecting his thoughts onto the panther? Yeah. I don't believe so. I mean, I don't no? believe so. Well, I- yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it, it just makes me think, like, that just reminded me of how we do kind of put emotions into our pets, mm-hmm. uh, into our dogs, into our cats. It's just like you can, it at least seems like we know what they're feeling, right? Yep. Like you, There's you, a term you can for tell it, and it, I, I never remember it. But I always think right. of uh, the Bee movie with Jerry Seinfeld playing the voice of the Bee. Oh, man. And they, they make this whole you know movie about this colony and they have feelings and they do these things and they have these jobs. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's that's a human 
construct that we right. then put uh -huh. onto the bees to explain yep. what they do. That's it's not necessarily what the bees do at all. And it's like there's a term for it. And I can't, I can never remember it. But that's what I was right. looking for here. Is it's like, is yeah. just looking at the the cat, and it's like he is so profoundly sad that he sees those eyes look at him, and he's like, mm, right, I see that sadness in you. Or is it really there? Right. You know, yeah. for me, I, I think it's really there. Like, I think that it's a that he that Drizzt is finely tuned to the emotions, you know, to the mindset, like the characteristics of his friend, and can sense how wrong of an act this is to use such a fine fighter as something lower than a simple butcher. Now, the key part of this chapter to me is, in my opinion, is that Massage understands that Drizzt has a connection to the Panther. And even though he hasn't been able to use her against him physically, he delights in being able to use her against him emotionally. Oh, man. That's, yeah, that's totally true. Ugh. And he goes, <laughs> return, Massage screamed. And he kicked the cat in the rear. Then Massage turned an eye back on Trist, a vindictive eye. Massage had missed the chance to kill the young Doerden. He would have to be careful how he explained such a mistake to his unforgiving mother. Massage decided to worry about that unpleasant encounter later. For now, at least, he had the satisfaction of watching Drizzt suffer. Deenan and the others were oblivious to the unfolding drama between Massage and Drizzt, too engaged in their wait for Guenevar's turn, or return, too engaged in their speculations of the expressions of terror that the gnomes would cast back at such, a project, uh, such an efficient killer. Too caught up in the macabre humor of the moment. That perverted drow humor that brought laughter when tears were needed. Just another shocking example of how insidious the drow can be. How even the things that put a smile on their face bring fear and sorrow to what we'd consider a well-adjusted individual. You know, just such a haunting way to end a chapter. Especially considering that Drizzt was saved. Like, yeah, this was a happy occasion. Yeah, this should be like a feeling of relief, of celebration, of joy. Instead, it's just more macabre. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, that kind of goes into my dim light. I don't know if you have anything anything more you want to add to yours. But, no, I, 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 um, I think that's yeah, yeah, about the encapsulation. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, with, with my dim light... Um, this week, it speaks to a lot to Driz's character, but it also kind kind of comes off of that that idea that like, yeah, it, it should have been a feeling of relief and joy, but instead it was just kind of like, well, is this better than what it was before? And just like, um, or or yeah, because I want to talk about the whole idea that Say, I, I don't want to step on the toes of yours too much, but it really <laughs> does make you think: Does Driz believe he'd have been better off not being rescued? Right, and that's, yeah, exactly. That's what I want to get into a little bit here. So earlier in this chapter, we found Drizzt captured by a company of gnomes. Uh, and as the reader, it appeared that Drizzt's situation was pretty dire. But later on, we kind of we kind of figure like, oh, would that have been so bad? You know, and um, so even though Belwar was saying that he would ask the gnome <laughs> king... It makes me it's laugh just because I'm thinking of like when you think about a cliffhanger, right? You know, uh, fantasy wise, Lord of the Rings, Frodo at the end of the book, stabbed by Shalab, you think he's dead. Okay. Right? Yep. But never, ever, 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 ever do you question whether or not Frodo would have been better going with the spider. Right, exactly. Yeah. But here it's like, yeah, like these evil gnomes. Yeah, like no, Drew should not go with the evil gnomes. Oh, wait, maybe. 
maybe he should have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we um Belwar was telling Driz, like, hey, look, I mean, as long as you're good, like, uh, I'll ask the king to release you. Uh, but that seemed pretty unlikely. Like, especially, like, considering, like, why even take him back to Blingdenstone at that point? Why wouldn't Belwar just be like, okay, like, go? No, and, you know, it's not even that. Like, what, what, what you say there raises a great point to me. Like, if he's going to set him free, why are they going back to Blingdenstone? Why, why not just kill him? That, right. Why exactly. not kill like, him right there like they did all the other drow that tried to invade the patrol? Exactly. Unless they so, mean to make a statement or an example out of Driz. Like, I think that's what he's got to be feeling right away. Okay, maybe. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. when you think about it, like, look, bro. I guess you can call a drow, bro. Like, look, bro. Yeah, sure. You're still alive. Like, you shouldn't be. He had a chance to just, you, know, right. you just knocked down an earth elemental. You did all yep. this crap. And he didn't, he had you dead to rights, but instead decided to make you a prisoner. So that's right. got to at and, least buy him some sort of trust from Drizzt. I think when he when he says that, you know, he, he trusts him quickly, like you mentioned in the chapter, I think oh, yeah, that might right. be the impetus that makes him be like, well, you know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so even though it wasn't looking great for Drizzt, he was intrigued by these gnomes, like I said before, especially by Belwar's statements that made the gnomes appear opposite of how the drow perceived them. Like they don't have slaves, they don't torture anyone, th those type of things. So at a certain point, Drizzt really didn't feel much like a captive. He saw that the gnomes were not the evil creatures that he was brought up to believe, and he didn't seem totally against the idea of getting stolen from Menzo Berenzon. He was just kind of like, okay, kind of like squinty-eyed, looking side-eye, like looking at him, just like, what's going on here? I don't know, and, and so like it kind of like started out very much like, oh man, Drizzt is captured, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, huh, not so much. And then it just goes, um, the there's a 180 degree shift because eventually the drow patrol catch up. And I mean, it, it just puts, like I said, a 180, 180 degree shift on the whole situation. The drow slaughtered all the gnomes that weren't able to flee immediately. They froze or paralyzed Belwar and, and, another, and another gnome in place. Um, and so like here we got to objectively see the brutality of the drought against the gnomes. I love that. The line. gnomes. That's a good line. Like the gnomes were defending themselves when the drow first attacked, but then they fled. Right. And <laughs> what did the drow do? The drow chased after them. Eventually the gnomes got away and yet the, the drow just, they're not taking prisoners. They're just coming in and they're just slaughtering to slaughter. The gnomes did take one prisoner at least. Did they have to? I don't know. But they did at least try to take Drizzt as, as a prisoner. Yeah, and I mean, um, you get the feeling, though, that even if they hadn't taken Drizzt as a prisoner, they were just trying to flee. Yeah, I mean, they would. Yeah. They only killed in order to disengage and leave, you know? At, at least that's what it seemed like, right? Mm -hmm. Um. <clears throat> Lost my place here. Here we go. Uh, where the gnomes were going to allow Driz to live, at least for the time being, the drow were going to slaughter even the most helpless gnomes without even hesitating. They froze two of them. They were going to kill them right away. Driz could not bear this. When the high priestess ordered the drow warrior to kill the paralyzed gnomes, Driz fought for their lives. First he tries, hey, let's make them slaves. And then, well, 
they don't make good slaves. And also, that's not brutal enough. So, then the one died, and then he tries, hey, let's send one back, and, you know, he can just send a message to the rest of the gnomes that, hey, the the drow are super brutal, and you shouldn't go that close to Menzo Berenzon again. Of course, that was only acceptable if Belwar um, didn't have his hands anymore. So, just insane yeah i mean it's crazy how you think about it again again and again we get these these tastes of just how brutal the drow are yeah i mean when you think about it to me the only reason that deanon wasn't comfortable with the healthy gnomes running back is because yeah they're going to spread the message right but they're going to spread their message when i cut Uh, off belwar's hands and i send him back he can say whatever he wants but they're all gonna look at him missing his hands and know every time they see him go get the meal at the cafeteria every time he goes to the common market to to have a drink or whatever they know without a doubt drow remove your hands do not go near drought this is what happens there's a physical message that he cannot hide yeah it's amazing just that that's the level of not petty petty's the wrong word but like that's the level of ins- their their insidious nature where they're just like yeah yeah yep. they've got a message but let me write my own message like ooh, oh, ooh, oh man yeah it too far <laughs> so i just loved this turn of events from drizzt is in this horrible situation to okay drizzt is safe but <laughs> he's still kind of in this horrible situation <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing, but you put it like that, you're absolutely right. Like, out of the frying pan and into the... uh, Well, the other frying pan that's actually on. Crap. Crap. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And I I also just feel like it speaks a lot to Driz's character to be put in that initial situation, at least the initial part of the initial situation, where it's like, he's a prisoner, he's most likely going to die, and yet once, once there's a change in the tides, Driz's remains true to his values and still fights for the lives of those gnomes it would have been it would have been so easy for driz just to be like hey you were going to take me back to your city and have me killed most likely so let's just kill him like it would have been so easy for him to do that but he he obviously has this um a value for life Mm -hmm. um especially for ones that he perceives as being not evil and in first um interacting with these gnomes they did not seem evil to him yeah and it's quick too right because when he's looking at these 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 gnomes and they're going through the whole thing he doesn't believe them, right because he knows they're evil like oh you're you're not gonna do that you're not gonna do that but he is facing his death with with the 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 honor and the bravery required of a warrior of his status this is how he looks Mm -hmm. at him like if you take me then you take me i'm not begging for a thing like go ahead let's do this i know what you're doing don't lie to me yeah and then it quickly dawns on him like you're not the ones who've been lying to me. Yeah. Huh. And then when he gets Crazy. saved, you see him, he's just like, like you said, it's not maybe, maybe not innocent is the wrong word. Like the, the value of innocent life, but it is, it's the value of non evil life, right? Like the elves, right. the gnomes now where he sees it and he's like, well, I'm not, I'm not needlessly taking life. Like he has no problem killing a hook horror that's trying to invade the city and kill all the people, right? He had no problems coming out to get the gnomes when he thought they were just like the hook horrors. But as soon Mm -hmm. as he realizes that they have their own conscious approach, that they have their own culture, their own feelings, their own emotions, and they are not what he's been told. He's like, well, no, then why should I kill them? Right. Like, 
no. They're no threat to me. Yep. Like, well, they're no threat to just, us either. Like, right? you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're the threat <laughs> to them. Like, yeah. It's like they stepped a little close to her, but I mean, they're just getting gems. Like, yeah. they're not here to kill us. Like, that's what we learned from Belwar's point of view in the last chapter. It's like, the yeah. gnomes didn't say, hey, you know what? Let's go invade Menzo Barons. And they were just like, ah, look, we found gems. And it's like, in a really dangerous place so that what they did was they didn't create tunnels for launching assaults they didn't create tunnels for counterattacks right it was it was all defensive and to flee it was all yeah. defensive save right. life yep it's like just that, awesome. that dichotomy or the juxtaposition of how like the two people look at it from different angles like that is that's ah, beautiful i thought you did a great job pointing oh out. totally oh. <laughs> all right so that that's my dim light for this week we went through yours jeffrey I think it's about time for us to jump into the dungeon delve. All right, well, let me get my miner's pack. Let me get my, my engineering pack. Put a little, little cap on. I don't need to turn the light on, though, because we have infravision. Oh, totally. Yep. <laughs> Let's dive on into the dungeon delve. This is the part of the show where we link this chapter to our favorite tabletop role-playing game. In this chapter, we found out what happened to Massage after Drizzt had been gnome-napped. Oh, nice! Yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> he was stuck in the rock. And then along came a priestess of Lulth, and she did some cool magic that turned the ground into mud and allowed them to free him. And, you know, when I started looking into a bit of research, what I came up with is called Transmute Rock. Interesting. Now, I got this from D&D uh, Beyond Wiki. So if this is a homebrew... Oh, okay. I apologize. It was not listed as well, such. I mean, homebrew's fine. Homebrew's fine. No, they are. As I just, I we... like to tell yeah. people I know it's a homebrew. This was presented as a spell, but it was also written out. So it wasn't really like stat blocked 5e page, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, uh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. So it yeah. very well might be a homebrew, but I think it fits pretty well. So the first thing that jumps out to me is that this is a fifth level transmutation spell. Which makes sense because you would expect it to be a little higher since it's used by a full trained priestess, not some amateur. Sure. Takes a full action to cast. It's got a range of 120 feet and it makes up a 40 foot cube. It's, it's a little large, but... That's pretty big. Cube. It's huge. <laughs> the save for this spell would be a dex save. Uh, there's also a strength save that they built into it uh, trying to pull yourself out of it. But okay. it, to avoid being encaptured by the spell would be a deck save, which would then be based on the wizard who casts it in their spell save level. Why a spell save? Well, because this spell isn't used in the way it's used in the book. That doesn't mean it can't be. One of the things that I love about right. R.A. Salvatore and how he writes is that he takes D&D tropes and stands them on their heads sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, like What I mean is he, he uses things in different ways than they appear to be intended. Yeah. I love that. That's one of my favorite things about um, yeah. the way that my players interpret spells. They'll use them in crazy ways. In fact, we'll we'll talk more about that. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, to me, it's one of the things that you know sucked me in right away. And it, you know, yep. later books, there's there's I, I have one succinct um, moment in mind, but we're talking books from books, now. Books. So yeah. I don't really want to get that one. But, you know, the way he tends to be like, well, this spell is a fireball and you can use it as an attack. Or I can use right. it to light a bonfire and heat my food. Right. There's just other ways to use <laughs> just it. Like than what fireworks, it you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> so this spell, it's going to trans, uh, transmute non-magical rock of any sort into an equal volume of thick flowing mud that creatures can sink into. A creature makes a saving throw when you cast it on the ground around it 
or when it enters that ground, or if it ends its turn in that area. So when a creature sinks into the mud, it's restrained. The fun part is, it mentions if you cast the spell on a ceiling, well, then the mud falls. And any no. creature... <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> any creature under the mud when it falls must make a deck save or take 4d8 bludgeoning damage. True. Or half man. as much on a successful save. Wow. Yeah. Ironically, I think it's also the same spell that would put massage in the ground because you can also use it to transmutate quicksand or mud into soft stone. And then a creature oh, would make a deck save or become restrained. The rock will have an AC of 15 and at 25 hit points they give it. So okay. if they wanted to break out massage, it would have taken you know, a little bit of, and it, it would have taken a little bit and, you know, rolling a one while trying to free someone. Oh yeah. That might not be the best. No, they could go poorly, <laughs> especially if you have sharp instruments trying to remove him from the stone. Right. Oh man. So if you all at home have any fun or interesting ideas that to use this spell, please hit up the discord. Let us know how you'd use the transmutate spell. One idea that I came across was someone who said that they would cast the spell twice. Once to sink someone into the mud, and then again oh, to turn that mud. Turn mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Right that's back into stone, idea. and then the enemy is trapped inside of there. It, to me, it sounds a bit nightmarish. But right. it's, a, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> slant on the mechanics. Now, it has to be non-magical stone. But, in theory, you know, I, I don't think that a regular prison would ever hold you again. You would just cast right. this spell and walk on out. Yep. Oh man, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. No, I, I, um, when you started talking about this, I was like, oh man, we got to come up with some creative ways of using this. I'm, and my head immediately went to like, what if you cast it on the ceiling? And it's like <laughs> you talked about that. I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah. They, well, it, and it's like when you know when I went in to read it, they had comments underneath. But so I'm going through, and the author was oh, nice. replying to the people's comments. And that's where they came up with like, well, what if you cast it and put it? He goes, well, you'd have to cast it twice, once in, and then once to sock. And they're like, oh, right, because then they don't get caught by the waist down. They sink into it, and then you right. turn that into a solid. Oh, good night. They're gone. Or Bye. like you. But at the same time, like you could almost use it possibly, depending on your character's abilities, like you could cast it before the enemy sees you and like hide in the mud, you know, like yeah. use it as like a stealthy uh, way of sneaking up on people or like hiding somewhere or. Um, no, that's a good idea because you could be like, a, what is it? The old Robin Hood cartoon where he was a fox from the Disney thing. And you yeah, had yeah. the little reed in the, in the water. Like as long as you leave yourself <laughs> right. a breathing hole, that it does specify it is soft stone. So it wouldn't right. automatically crush you. As long as you oh, had a breathing okay, yeah. apparatus or a way to draw air in, you could hide inside the stone. Right. So it's soft stone. It's not necessarily mud like we're... Like, well, no, no. Uh, we it's saw into in mud or, or then the mud in the goes book. into soft stone or oh, vice versa. You can I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Gotcha. <clears throat> That's very cool. I love spells that allow you to... That allow some interpretation yeah. for you to come up with something creative. I absolutely love that. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the spell that I want to talk about. It's not quite as versatile, I don't think, but maybe we can come up with a couple ways to use it in creative ways. But I want to talk about the other spell that was used in this chapter, uh, the spell that caused Belwar and the other gnome to freeze in place with almost like a paralysis type of effect. I uh, took a gander through the player's handbook to see if I could find any spells that matched the description of this spell from the chapter. And the best I could come up with was hold person. Uh, 
Which uh, yeah. my character in your campaign definitely has as a spell, too. Thank you very much. Nice. Nice. I'll keep that in mind and make sure that <laughs> I don't have any humanoids coming up. because <laughs> So far, I haven't been able to find a good reason to use it, but I've got it. <laughs> so, Hold Person is a second-level enchantment spell that casts within one action uh, on one humanoid within 60 feet. It requires a verbal and somatic components along with a small straight piece of iron to cast uh it takes you don't remember i had to go get a small piece of iron from the blacksmith he gave me the slag piece because you know i was like hey do you have anything and you had him just give me some of the scrap that's what this was for was i needed a piece of iron for the spell yeah that was years ago Yeah, because I was like, man, I don't feel like paying for this. Do you got any spare? You were like, I got like slag. I was like, take it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was so long ago. That was literally like, oh, man, back in 2021, maybe. (laughs) It's been a minute. (laughs) Uh, The spell does take up concentration. So make sure that you're not getting hit like while you're casting the spell because you could lose concentration and then the uh, target becomes not paralyzed so uh once cast the spell makes the target paralyzed uh paralysis is a condition in which the creature is incapacitated that means that they cannot take actions uh they automatically fail strength and dexterity saving throws it doesn't say anything about mental like intelligence or wisdom so because they're still still there right you're still there right exactly uh but strength and dexterity you're not able to physically move so you're going to fail those Uh, attacks against them have advantage and any successful attacks within five feet so basically like if you're doing performing a melee attack and you've um, successfully hit them it's automatically a critical hit which means double the damage dice so in in that moment when i played the grapple based monk one of my favorite ideas was that you can grapple somebody it's easier to push them right big strength based Uh monk yep so the idea was always you can push them into a fire, you can push them off a cliff. Now, with 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 paralysis, if you were to also do that, you telling me that it's automatic double, like it's automatic double it, crit if I toss him off a ledge while he's paralyzed. Uh, like he's telling he's, he's going to take that fall damage too. Like okay, well, okay. I, I don't I don't know that the fall damage would be doubled, but any any attack that, would suck. that you made, you know, they paralyzed. Oh, yeah, you got horrible. you got nothing to do, so I just throw you over the shoulder, walk over, and be like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know about fall damage being double double uh, doubled but your your attacks would definitely be double dice <clears throat> so you might be thinking this spell isn't the same you know it, it wasn't just one target there were two so uh yeah don't worry um the hold person spell can do that too all you have to do is cast it at higher levels you can target another humanoid for each level above level two. Uh, so basically, if you want to get, um, if you want to target two humanoids, just cast as a level three spell. Like use a level three spell slot. Um, or if you want to target three humanoids, use a level four spell slot, and so on. Which is, I mean, you could take out quite a bit of humanoids. Yeah. They do. Oh, you know what? I did. Oh, I totally missed that. Um, I didn't write it down here, and my book is closed. But there is a wisdom save involved with this. Okay. So, in order to become paralyzed, you have to six. Uh, you have to fail on a. I think it was a wisdom saving throw. Uh, if it's wrong, you guys can call me out on it. But I'm pretty sure it was a wisdom saving throw against the caster's spell save DC. 
but basically just, yeah, like each one of those targets would have to succeed on or fail or whatever. They would have to um, roll a wisdom saving throw against the caster's um, spell DC. And if they fail, then they're um, paralyzed. And so you could knock out a whole encounter or half of an encounter pretty easily with this spell. Um, You'd have to be a gory butcher, though, because... I mean, you're then going to go up there and drow those that was held person to death, right? Like, well, and that's the thing. I mean, that, that one of the things I wanted to talk about was the versatility of these spells, right? So this uh-huh. one seems like it's pretty simple. Like you paralyze them, you go up and you kill them. But what are some other out of the box ways you could use this spell? You could totally do that and then go tie them up. Most most player characters have. Um, have rope on hand. My character has lots of rope. <laughs> Spent so all could, my gold on rope. You could very easily take. Ah, um, oh shoot! I didn't put the amount of time that this is a uh, this runs either. I, I would imagine it's like a minute. It might be more, but I would imagine it's at least. Um, yeah, it's up to one minute. Up to one minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have so ten, in that case, ten like, rounds of action. Right. So if you are able to cast this on like the last three humanoids in the encounter and take about, you know, 30 seconds to quickly run up to them, tie them up. Like you could do that pretty effectively to the point where, you know, you would end the encounter and have three prisoners. Now, so good. No, 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 go ahead. Say this, this has it listed as like, if you're engaged in already rolled initiative, what if I ambush them? You know, they don't well, know it's there, and I ambush them with the charm spell, or the charm spell, the hold spell. Do they still right. get a chance to save? Or would they um, save at disadvantage? Like, how would that work if they didn't know it was coming? Because this seems to be like me and you are in combat, and then I choose to hold you against your will. That were, Therefore, you get to make a wisdom save. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would put them at disadvantage or anything like that, just because, um, like, a surprise in 5e, a surprise round is basically like, um, the creatures miss their first turn. Right. That's what surprise is. So if you surprise them, basically it wouldn't necessarily give you dis, uh, give them disadvantage on the roll. I don't think, right, right, um, okay. but it would basically make it start the encounter and they miss their first turn. Basically. Okay. I would, in my picture, I, like, I guess I'm always thinking of thieving. Like this is a character based thing, not a reality based thing. So everybody right, right now, feel free. <laughs> do not call the cops. It's going to be okay. But if I were trying to rob a place, I, you know, you just sneak up, see the guards, freeze them in place, walk by, wave, and just keep <laughs> on going. You know what I mean? Like they have no chance. They're frozen against the wall. And I'll just maybe, maybe even smile at them. Like, but I mean, like if you're trying to thieve things, you might want to freeze them in the opposite, such that they're looking in the opposite direction so they don't see you. Because Unless you're a very ballsy thief. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was it, Lady Olena from uh, Game of Thrones? Like, you tell Cersei, I want her to know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's only a minute. So you'd have to like yeah, get fair. in and get out. <laughs> so maybe I stroll quickly past the guards, <laughs> or just like if you freeze them and you're in such a way that they're looking the other direction, and then you quickly run in, grab something, and run out. They might just be like, 
what was that? You know, <laughs> just like I couldn't move there for a second. And they're like looking around and they don't see anything and they might not think much of it. Then <laughs> this I mean, spell they, is how I would siege a castle. I'd go up on the parapets, freeze everybody, push them off the wall and just keep on going like dominoes. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Man, that would take some successful or unsuccessful saving throws on the DM's part. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> there trying to fight me, are they? How, how smart could they be? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's my dungeon delve for this week. Jeffrey, I think that's about the end of this episode, episode 23 here. So it seems like it's going to take us towards the end. Oh man. Yeah. And, and towards the end of this episode, but Jeffrey, the end of this book is really starting to come up on us here. Um, just a um, sneak peek for those that are listening that kept up with us so far. Uh, just so you know, Jeffrey and I are talking about, the next book already we're already Mm -hmm. um we have some good ideas for the next um how we're going to format the next book uh we want to speed some things up a little bit uh i guess we can tell them i mean yeah break it uh, out at least what we have now there may still be more changes to come right it's a malleable work in progress of course like we already know that we wanted to do multiple chapters each uh per episode we were throwing around like two three maybe five and then it's like hey you know what the books are pretty neatly cut into parts. Yep. And so we're even thinking of maybe doing an entire part in a week, which is, I mean, now when you say like? part, let the, you know, give the people an idea. Cause maybe those who haven't read along with us or there, this is the first time they've entered the books. They may not realize what you mean by a whole part. Well, a part is a major section of the book uh, that usually has an, like a, a theme to it. Uh, and, but I mean, the books are clearly laid out in parts, part one, part two, part three. And at the beginning of each part, we have our um, letter from Drizzt, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this book, for instance, we are just finishing up, I believe part four. And then part five is what we are now going to get into. So next episode, we will have a, what do we call it? Uh, an insight check. Yep. Um, because it's one of Drizzt's letters, right? And then we'll only have, what? We only have six six chapters left? 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, six chapters left. Yeah. That's all that, That's all that's left. Um, so that, that means that if, if we do keep this format, um, book two is only going to be five weeks long. Yep. Because five and parts. Hopefully, unless, what we want to do, more, I mean, but I this, this book is basically, to us, is a tent pole. For everything that's yeah. about to come. You know, we wanted to take a quite a deep dive into every small nook and cranny of this first book. And then looking forward, I mean, what, there's, oh man, like another 60 books? <laughs> there's a lot I mean, more there's books. There's at least 35, yeah. yeah. There's a lot more books that are coming that we really want to get into and continue to shine a dim light onto. And the I think the easiest way we figured to do that is to try to make those books go a little quicker. And looking at it, yep. taking it by parts and chunks like that will still give you the same breakdown the same here's a drist of it here's our dungeon delve here's our dim light but over a longer period of time we're going to move a little bit quicker because we're going to be covering things in book two book three book four book five that we touched on in book one and we don't want to overlap if we can help it so you know taking those in chunks and then summarizing it a little faster will allow us to cover more ground and still bring you guys a in-depth look at the mechanics at how it breaks down but also for those people who are quite avid readers of the, the Drizzt series, 
you don't have to wait another four years for us to get to book exactly. five. Because <laughs> I'm looking at this list of books and I'm just like, we're going to be doing this until I'm like 70, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? If you guys continue to smash that button and throw in money and give us support, and we, I got no problem doing it until I'm 70, but... Oh, totally. I would like to at least try to get to the, the to the end of his bookography. What do you could the, the yeah you call it no, a list it's, of books? It's, it's not a discography, a bibliography. It's collection. Yeah, it's collection. <laughs> you know, I just want to be able to to, to go through and, and and get through these storylines and to be able to see where they go and, and just experience that all with you because you guys have been so yeah. much fun in how you see the things break down and how you bounce those ideas off of us so we can sit there and look at them as well. Like just it's been a, it's been a blast and we just want to we want to keep it fresh and popping, as the Absolutely. kids say. Our demographic Absolutely. doesn't hit so heavy between the ages of fifteen to eighteen, but we gonna keep it popping. <laughs> Show gonna be bussing. It's easy. <laughs> awesome so again like uh a lot of this is still up in the air we're we're just talking about it and but this is the one that we've been settled on for a while uh but we'll keep you guys up to date we'll we'll probably have another episode in between the end of this book and the beginning of the second book but we have a few weeks until we get there but just wanted to throw that out there while it was still fresh in my mind and uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. So thank you for listening. Remember that if you like this show, give us a five-star rating, hit that subscribe button, hit those notification buttons, leave us a comment on the YouTube. Uh, and yeah, just make sure you're getting the most out of this podcast. Pick up a copy of the book and read along with us. If you don't have time to read, get the audiobook. Listen to it during your commute, while you're grocery shopping, while you're out for a walk on these nice spring days, or maybe if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it's winter, so you're shoveling snow. I don't know how that works. I mean, uh, usually with a shovel. Theoretically, underst- understand how the climate works, but <laughs> yeah, we are an international podcast, so I don't know what the weather is like in Japan, one of our higher right. markets out and there. And but well, uh, if it's not springtime the there, <laughs> they're the same hemisphere, That's so it should fair. be springtime there, but. Australia, on the other hand, you know, it's getting into winter down there, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, you when you can... guys are tending to your koalas, you can also listen oh, no. to this podcast. <laughs> I love koalas. They're they're a little bit disease ridden and such, but you know what? They sleep 18 to 22 hours a day. They look furry. They hang out in the tree. God, I love them. Well, I know you're in our um, in Roll 20. Your your uh, <laughs> avatar was that drenched koala it looked so evil <laughs> yep when you get a koala wet for those of us who have never never looked at that go ahead and put koala in the rain in your google search engine <laughs> terrifying you will not believe that it is not a photoshopped image <laughs> so once you're done reading or listening to the next chapter shoot us an email at drewisdunright at gmail.com to let us know your favorite parts or uh, you can log on to our discord uh, join in on the ongoing discussion there. Remember, the uh, link is in the, the uh, episode description. Uh, we would love to hear from you. you know, I feel like when we come to the end of an episode, it be my least favorite part, right? We enjoy bringing this show to you every week. And for me, I know it's, it's almost a tinge of sadness to know that we got to wait another week to get together. Hopefully, when the tape runs out, we leave you with a little something to look forward to in the next episode. If you'd all like to support the show, we do have a link in the episode description that says, well, support the podcast. All the proceeds go towards improving the show and enhancing the moments that we do get to spend together. Thank you. We appreciate your time. We hope that next week you'll come back. Press play again. Until then, farewell. Play fair. Be well, friends. 